Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings will renew unpleasant trees again Sunday at Lambeau Field. It is a huge game for both teams. The Packers are trying to protect their number one seed in the NFC playoff standings. The Vikings are fighting for their playoff lives. Welcome, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel, the Ace Packers beat reporter for Forbes.com and Connolly Media, and the author of eight Packers books. We're also happy to be joined today by my good friend, Chris Thomason, the award-winning reporter for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, who covers the Minnesota Vikings. Chris, I got to ask you, in your illustrious career, now you have won a ton of NFL and NBA awards. Does appearing on this podcast with Rob and I rank right up there with your best moments? (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm going to wait till see what the critics say. You know, they say you shouldn't pay attention to what other people say, but I'm going to wait till I, I'll read some of the reviews of the show and then I'll uh, let you know. I, I'm sure there's going to be many, many reviews to uh, check out. So thanks for joining us, by the way. Thank you. So uh, let, let's get right to it and uh, talk some football. The uh, Packers and Vikings meet, of course, uh, Sunday in Green Bay and Suffice to say, it's an important game for uh, both teams. Chris, uh, give us your take on the importance of this game from the Vikings' perspective. Uh, Like I said at the outset, they're fighting for their uh, playoff lives. Yeah, obviously, it's a colossal game. It's pretty much make or break. If uh, a couple scenarios occur earlier in the day, if Philadelphia beats Washington or Atlanta beats Buffalo and New Orleans beats Carolina, then if the Vikings were to lose to Green Bay, they would be eliminated Sunday night. But even if those scenarios don't occur and they lose on Sunday night, I mean, it's quite uh, slim prospects. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a must win for the Vikings. And then obviously if they don't win, uh, the noise is going to resume about whether uh, Mike Zimmer will be back next season as coach. Yeah. I mean, he's been seemingly on the hot seat all during the season. I mean, you got off to a kind of a shaky start and you lost a bunch of close games. Do you, do you think this could be a make or break game for him? It could be. I mean, I've been saying all along that uh, he won't be back if they don't make the playoffs they've been in a situation where they've made the playoffs every other year since he started he started in 14 and they made it in uh odd numbered years but not an even numbered years so it's an odd numbered year so he's supposed to make the playoffs and he didn't if if they lose so uh yeah i mean eight year looking at the big picture eight seasons if they don't make the playoffs, it will be only three playoff berths, two playoff wins. You know, it, it might, and if that's the case, just be time for a change. But we'll see what happens uh, Sunday night. And Rob, uh, from the Packers' perspective, of course, uh, that number one seat is looming uh, in the NFC playoffs, and uh, I would imagine the Packers can ill afford a let letdown at this point. Well, no, obviously, and, and much like Chris just said, 
you know, Minnesota has so much at stake. I mean, I, I think they're in the eight hole, right, Chris? One game back of, of San Francisco and Philly, who are both eight and seven. And, and then the Vikings are seven and eight. You know, Gary, if Green Bay can get past this game and they finish up with the hapless Lions, I mean, the home field certainly looks like a, you know, a realistic probability for, for the Packers. It, it should happen. Um, you know, they're 12 and three, Gary, Dallas is nipping at their heels at 11 and four. Dallas has the better conference record. They didn't play each other this year, but Dallas would have them on, you know, the, the better conference record. So green Bay's got to win out to stay ahead of Dallas, Gary, they would have the tiebreaker advantage over the Rams and Tampa Bay who are also 11 and four, but Dallas is the one that concerns you. I, I, I would say Gary, you know, green Bay, it's unlikely, I think, Gary, they can afford to stumble, but you look at Dallas and they do have Arizona and, and at Philadelphia and Philadelphia is going to be playing in that final week of the season too, in all likelihood to try to get into the playoffs. So Dallas certainly has the tougher go of it in, in terms of schedule wise down the stretch, you know, that their last two opponents are a combined 18 and 12, which is a 600 winning percentage green Bay's Gary, you know, are only nine 20 and one. Uh, with that tie the Lions have. So that that's barely over 300. Um, so no, Sunday night is is colossal for for Green Bay as well, Gary, because I, you know, I, if, if, if they win the game in all likelihood, the road to the Super Bowl is going to go through Lambeau Field and, and, and it's going to be a lot tougher for somebody to come in and win there this year than it was last year. You know, when I, I think there are only about 9,500 fans in the NFC Championship game when, when they beat uh, or when they lost to Tampa Bay and, and this year, multiply that by eight you'll have eighty thousand crazies uh potentially for that game gary yeah hey uh chris over the years uh, aaron Rodgers has uh acknowledged his respect for mike zimmer and some of the defensive schemes that he's come up with but that 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 defense no matter what how great of a schemer you are if you don't have the talent you know there's not a lot you can do what what is the talent assessment of the Vikings defense right now? I mean, it, do you think there's the talent there to have a great defense or do you think it's, uh, you know, a, a work in progress? Well, last year, Mike Zimmer said he had the worst defense he'd ever had as a head coach and defensive coordinator. And they were number 27 in the huh. NFL total defense. This year, they're number 29, so statistically, they're even worse than, than last year. Of course, last year, they had a lot of injuries and a lot of young guys. This year, they've had some injuries. I mean, Daniil Hunter's the biggest, and then they lost Everson Griffin. He's on the non-football illness list, so having their two stud defensive ends out has hampered them, and they had Michael Pierce, the defensive um, no, the nose tackle, he was out for seven games. But really, it's kind of a, a patchwork defense. Uh, they pretty much picked some guys up off the street, didn't give them huge salaries. They gave Patrick Peterson one year, $8 million. They gave him a nice salary. But a lot of that was for his locker room presence. I mean, you knew that Pat Pete wasn't going to return to his Pro Bowl days. I mean, he's been decent uh you know he's been average but uh what he gives them is leadership with the young players but you had Bashad Breeland that they brought in off the street for a while and he was yeah hey, uh, sorry to interrupt you I see he might be going to the Cardinals huh 
Uh, yeah, I did see that, but uh, you know, with with COVID, I guess you know he was the best guy they they could find. Although I guess there was a report that uh, he tested positive, so he might not be immediately available. But you know, it, a patchwork. They brought in him. They brought back Mackenzie Alexander at a low salary. He hasn't worked out at all as the nickel cornerback. He's the lowest rated cornerback in the league by Pro Football focus um anthony barr missed some time due to injuries they brought in xavier woods he's been okay uh you know but cornerbacks have been an issue cameron danzler still a young player has been up and down so it's kind of been a patchwork type of of deal and uh you know and they really can't stop anybody against the run they're uh i believe 20 28th in the nfl against the run so that's been a huge bugaboo gave up 159 rusher rushing yards the other day to the los angeles rams so uh put yourself in uh, matt lafleur's shoes how would you attack the vikings defense obviously you got the mvp uh aaron Rodgers. you got Devonte adams you got aaron jones you got a lot of weapons but if you were uh, matt lafleur how would you attack the vikings I mean, attack their cornerbacks. I mean, Mackenzie Alexander is the nickelback who's going to play, you know, maybe three quarters of the snaps at least on Sunday night. He's been terrible this year. And Cameron Danzler is still finding his way. He can be beaten. And uh, if you throw at those guys, you don't even need to throw at Patrick Peterson. But if you do throw at Patrick Peterson, I mean, you have to know he's not the same guy that he was during his uh, mm -hmm. pro Bowl days, but the way the Vikings have been against the run and with the Packers running backs, evidently healthy. I mean, I just start out by running against them and then uh, throw when you need to. Rob, I think the Packers are what six point favorites, something like that. You know, Gary, I haven't even checked the line, but that would sound about right. Yeah, you know, and when these two teams play, you can basically throw the line out the window. I don't know what the Packers, I think, were favored the first time these teams meet, right? Yeah, two or three, I think, and they lost by a field goal. Yeah, so, I mean, when these two teams play, those things can go out the window. But you know what concerns me if I'm the Packers? Chris, is it fair to say that the Vikings have underachieved this year? Yeah, I, I would say so because uh, last year they were uh, terrible on defense and they brought in a lot of defensive players. I mean, that was the main thing in free agency. I mean, they didn't always pay top dollar. They gave Peterson, as I mentioned, a nice contract, but they brought in a lot of pieces on defense and, uh, you know, that hasn't worked. The defenses struggled and uh, they haven't been able to win the close games. I mean, to their credit, they have just tied an NFL record 14 games decided by one possession, eight points or less. They tied the 1994 New York giants and the 2015 Baltimore Ravens. I mean, every game basically has come down to the wire, but uh, you know, a lot of times they haven't been able to close teams. They've lost leads. And a lot of that has been uh, the struggles on defense. You know, uh, the one thing that if I'm LaFleur is that Minnesota to me has two of the biggest game breakers on their team, Delvin Cook and Jefferson. 
Jefferson has been better than anybody imagined. I think people thought, you know, he would be a good receiver, but he's, he's actually a great receiver already in his second season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's still mystifying that he just fell into their laps on draft day at number 22 uh, in 2020. I mean, the Eagles picked ahead of, of them and everybody assumed, okay, of course they're taking Justin Jefferson. He was clearly and obviously the top receiver on the board then. And then all of a sudden, you know, they take Rieger out of TCU and it's like, what? <laughs> and uh, the Vikings uh, in-house media company has shown video of like the celebration in the Vikings draft room after the Eagles didn't take Justin Jefferson. I mean, they're, just you know acting like they just won on a last second field goal so yeah they knew when he fell into his their laps that this guy is going to be something special potentially but i don't think anybody could imagine he's would be as good so soon i mean he didn't even start the first two games last year they started that's hard to believe isn't it they started yeah this will be a trivia question they started bc johnson as the wide receiver B.C. Johnson, he's out for the year. That'll be a trivia question in about 20 years when Justin Jefferson, like, breaks Jerry Rice's records. They'll say, who started ahead of him in the first two games? So they finally came to their senses, and then he had the fantastic year last year. So they knew he was going to be good, but nobody could have envisioned he'd be this good. Rob, if uh, you were Mike Zimmer, how would you uh, attack the Packers? You know, Gary – Green Bay is this 12 and three to me, Gary is a little bit of a mirage. When, when, when you look at the way things have played out in, in recent weeks, right? The, the two point win over San Francisco in week three, they survived Cincinnati in that overtime game. They've, they get the late interception from Rasul Douglas against Arizona. Um, they, they survive against Baltimore on the two point conversion. They, they were totally outplayed on Christmas day by Cleveland, Gary and found a way to win that 24-22 thanks to four picks from Baker, um, which was the gift of all gifts on Christmas for, for Green Bay. But, you know, Gary, if, if I'm Zimmer right now, um, I st- you have to take away the run first and foremost, like Chris touched on. Minnesota's pretty bad right now against the run. Green Bay, amazingly, Gary, is even worse. Green Bay's 31st now against the run after that Browns game. They're giving up almost five yards a carry. It's at 4-8 right now for them after Cleveland averaged nine a game or nine, a, nine a carry on, on Christmas day. Um, it, it, to me, it starts with taking away the run because you, you look at green Bay's wideouts, Gary, and, and I still think it's kind of a mishmash group there right now. Obviously they've got, you know, arguably the best in the game and Adams, but after that, I mean, Cobb's not going to be back. Tunyon's not coming back. Obviously this year, MBS is going to have to clear COVID protocol to play come Sunday, you, you know, you're, you're down to Lazard and, and really the running backs, I guess a little bit at the Guara, but the tight ends didn't give them much on Christmas. And I mean, Rogers was barely over 200 yards on Christmas, Gary. Now I know Denzel Ward is, is terrific and their safeties that Cleveland has is, is, are, are really good as well. And, and like Chris pointed out, Minnesota certainly not as good in the secondary as Cleveland was, but, but I would, I would start first and foremost, Gary, with taking away the run or doing everything I could possibly. It's going to be, it's going to be three degrees roughly uh, at kickoff Sunday night. It's going to be ridiculously cold. It might not be real easy to throw the ball. If, if you can slow down Jones and, and Dylan early, 
Um, I, I think that's the way to attack Green Bay if, if, if you're Zimmer and company. But, but Rodgers has had his moments against him. I know a lot's been made about Zimmer, you know, kind of having an answer for Rodgers at, at all times. But Minnesota's won the last two in, in this series. It's the only team in the division Lafleur has lost to. He's, he's what is he, I think? 13 and 15 and two, maybe Gary right now. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. In the division. Yeah. He has two divisional games left. He's 14 and two. His only two losses are to Minnesota and the last two times they played him. but green Bay have, it has averaged 28 a game Gary against Minnesota since, uh, since Lafleur showed up and Rogers has played pretty well overall. But if you can take away the run and make them one dimensional, um, I, I think uh, Minnesota has a, an outstanding chance to win the game Sunday night. You know, Chris, uh, you, you've been to, I think, probably every stadium in the NFL. I'm just surmising, right? I uh, have not been inside Las Vegas's yet. I've seen it from the outside. Okay. And, I've been in, and I've been in the gift shop. The Raiders have a very impressive gift shop. You know what? You know what? I think you should write a story. Who has the better gift shop? The Packers or the, or the Raiders? <laughs> you, you know, I'll, I'll evaluate the, uh, the gift shop uh, this weekend. Yeah, that's yeah that could be a possibility well i'll tell you what uh, i was in the pro shop a couple of weeks ago and it's fantastic i mean anything you want regarding the packers is available and uh if you go in there after the game be ready to be there for a long time because there's just literally hundreds of people in there buying stuff but um, do they have jewel encrusted football for five thousand dollars like the raiders one does five thousand Something like that, yeah. I so did you a buy it? Of- <laughs> With your it, extraordinary wealth, did you buy one? <laughs> the jewel-encrusted Raiders football. There you go. Yeah, my, my point, though, is um, when, when you come to Lambeau Field, I mean, people around uh, the league say what a special place it is. And what, what does Lambeau Field mean to you? Is it special, like a lot of people believe, or do you think it's another stadium that's built on hype and uh, tradition? Uh, What's your assessment? I mean, it's special because of the tradition of this team and the fans tailgating and the fans coming from throughout the state. The bleachers do give it an interesting look and that sort of thing. I mean, they've been good and there's great tradition. So that adds to it. But I mean, I don't think you can compare it to say a Fenway park or Wrigley field in baseball, which have been around since 1912 and look based same as they did in 1912, because you look at the outside, I mean, the Packer stadium, what is it? 1957. I mean, that's not like 1912 and and the outside has been totally redone. It looks like a completely modern stadium outside. So I can't compare it to those particular venues, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of quote traditional like stadiums in the NFL. I mean, unlike maybe in baseball where you want to go with that, traditional look and and then everybody started doing the retro look and even wanted new to look old I mean it's a different type of of situation I mean football stadiums are more of uh how how flashy bigger best all that kind of stuff I mean I took a tour and wrote a big story in SoFi Stadium in November so it's a good uh change of pace that well 
everybody's looking at an arms race for stadiums, you still have uh, some of the old time stuff there in Green Bay. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. Your top three NFL stadiums. Well, I'm going to make you happy, and I'm going to say <laughs> you don't have to make me happy. You, you you demoralized me on the miniature golf course a couple of years ago. You kicked uh-huh. my butt. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say Lambeau, and then obviously SoFi Stadium, which I just saw is amazing, and uh, Dallas AT and T Stadium. I mean, that is incredible. I mean, that video board is utterly amazing. It's so massive and i was actually there for the nba all-star game when they had a hundred thousand people at the all-star game there in 2011 and and that stadium's holding up quite well considering i mean it unbelievably it's now 12 years old it's in its 13th season so i'd make that my top three you know what i was at that same nba all-star game and uh had had the uh what's the term should I say privilege of meeting Jerry Jones. And of course, you know, he talked for about five minutes and I listened, but uh, a very gregarious guy. And then he introduced me to a couple other guys and uh, that, that yeah. you're right though. That stadium is absolutely incredible. And uh, if anybody ever gets a chance to go to a game there, I, I would highly recommend that as well. Rob, uh, your top three stadiums. Well, I don't think there's any doubt Dallas tops the list, Gary. Um, I'm going to throw Lambo in there as well and, and be a little bit of a homer there. Um, I really like Pittsburgh's. I, I'm a big yeah. old school tradition guy. Boy, I, I can't wait to see Vegas's um, or even the Rams and that monstrosity they built out there. I don't know if you've been there yet or not, Chris. I haven't. I, I, I'll, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh just off the top of my head, Gary. I'm shocked that neither of you two uh, mentioned Soldier Field. <laughs> Chris, how bad is it? Soldier Field, maybe in 2001, before they put that, uh, re- dropped that ridiculous Frisbee on top of it or whatever it is. Or maybe when they move it to Arlington, guys. Yeah, yeah, that, that's not far-fetched. Uh, you know, Jacksonville's right down there, too. I, I saw that. And, uh, not, not overly impressed. A, 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 any other ones, Chris, that uh, you would put on your don't bother to go there list? Well, Buffalo's the worst. I mean, Buffalo. You think so? Buffalo looks like a uh, lesser SEC stadium. I mean, it's like going okay. to a Mississippi State game or something like that uh yeah so that's by far the worst but another good one is uh, arizona's in glendale and uh the fact it's natural grass and they were the first team to do that where you roll in the field so uh that's pretty good i uh, i've covered football games there also a final four as well there sure sure all right let's uh segue into uh the nfl postseason awards and uh the packers are obviously going to be in a bunch of them, including uh, the MVP race, the coach of the year award, executive of the year. Uh, but let's start out with the biggie, the MVP race. And I, I was watching Monday night football or, it, or no Sunday night football. And the announcers made it seem like Aaron Rodgers was a lock. I mean, a lock to win the MVP, like it was his to lose. And 
you guys got to help me out here. I, I, I just can't believe that Tom Brady isn't a lot to get it. I mean, you, you go down to all the stats. Let, let's start out with passing yards. Uh, Brady's got 4,580. Rodgers has 3,689. Uh, Brady's first in that category. Rodgers is 10th. Uh, touchdown passes. Brady has 37, number one in the league. Rodgers has 33, which is fourth. Interceptions, Brady's got 11, Rodgers has four, but Brady has thrown three, uh, 632 passes, Rodgers just 475. Uh, the completion percentage is a wash, Rodgers 68, Brady 67. But, but here's where I have a problem, you guys. It, it seems like nobody votes for the entire season anymore. It's like, what have you done lately? But if you looked at Rodgers in the first half of the season, I, I don't think anybody was talking about him as an MVP candidate. He had one 300-yard passing game through the first nine games. Nine games, he only had one 300-plus uh, game. In his first four games, he passed for 133, 255, 261, and 248. In the sixth game, he threw for 195 yards. And then lastly, for the season, Rodgers has had four 300-yard-plus passes, which is fine. Brady has had seven, and he's had two 400-yard-plus games. So you guys tell me, what am I missing? Well, maybe I'll, I'll start, Chris, if that's okay. Um, you're not missing anything. M my vote as well would go to Brady. I, I don't get it whatsoever, Gary. I think you hit the key point. It's a, what have you done for me lately? It's, it's not the 17 games. Sometimes Rogers in his last five is 16 touchdowns, no picks, which I, I know has impressed some voters and, and, and Brady has certainly slowed from his amazingly hot start. And, and that nine, nothing loss. I think they had a couple weeks back to the saints when he lost half his offense is, is hurt him because that was a primetime game. Um, but, but I, I'm with you, Gary. I, I don't get it. The, I looked at some odds this morning at a couple different sites. Rogers is minus 140 as of today, which means you have to bet 14 bucks to get 10 back. And Brady is plus 375, which means a $10 bet gets you 37.50. Um, it, it, it's not too much to overcome if you're Tom Brady, but I, I am surprised the odds are so dramatically stacked at this point against Brady. I guess... I guess the two stats that Rodgers really has going for him, right, are passer rating. He leads the league again. He's about 10 points higher than Brady. And and then second, just Green Bay is 12-3. and three, And Tampa's 11-4. and four, And it's a one seed versus a four. And, if, and if, if, if you do award a lot of this stuff based on team performance as well as individual, Rodgers is going to gain some ground there. But, I, I you know, the, the, that's just what the bookkeepers have at Gary. Um, We'll see what the actual voters have it in, you know, in, in, in a few weeks here down the road. But, but I still think it's a three, a three person race, Rogers, Brady and JT, Jonathan Taylor and in Indianapolis. If, if they can get to, you know, 11 and six and win the division and pass Tennessee, he, I think he's got to average about 185 yards a game down the stretch. Taylor, that is Gary. Um, and he can get to 2000. And if, if he does that, I, I think he's right in the mix as well. Okay, Chris, your thoughts? Well, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. Um, I just think uh, 
I mean, his touchdown interception ratio, 33 to four is darn impressive, much better than Brady's 37 to 11. And uh, prime time games mean something. If he can have a big performance and win on Sunday night football, I think he can lock it up. I mean, the voters are basically national writers and uh, they're all watching. There's 50 of them. They'll be watching on TV. They watched a couple of weeks ago when Tom Brady took a step back and uh, they lost nine to nothing to the Saints. I think that uh, really hurt uh, Brady right there. And now uh, <clears throat> the Rogers, you know, ha has a shot to potentially close it out. And uh, Rob touched upon the record. I mean, uh, Rogers actually throw out the game you missed due to COVID. He's 12 and two as a starter versus 11 and four that Brady is. And when in doubt, I mean, you often just give it to uh, the quarterback for the best team. I mean, if, if it's very close, it's kind of similar often in the NBA. I mean, it so often comes down to how good your record is of your team when there's some doubt. Uh, there's going to be some voters probably, though, who might hold the Rodgers COVID stuff against him. They might look at the fact that, well, he cost his team potentially a victory that game that he missed and he misled people and that sort of thing. So uh, if Rodgers has a crummy performance Sunday night and Brady closes strong, you know, maybe that factors in and can make a difference. But I think it's Rodgers to lose if he has an impressive outing on Sunday night football this Sunday. Boy, I, I, I'm just blown away by that because it means like, okay, put together a four or five game stretch and you're the MVP in this league. And, and like I pointed out the first half of the season, Rogers wasn't even in the mix. I, I mean, it's like, why bother? It seems uh, Chris, uh, correct me if I'm wrong or Rob, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't this happen last year too, where, like Mahomes was just playing lights out for the first 12, 13 games. And then all of a sudden Rogers came on at the end and gets the award. You're, you're spot on Gary. That's exactly what happened last year. He, he closed strong. I think at the end of November, Mahomes had a pretty comfortable lead, kind of like this year, yeah. a pretty comfortable lead. You, you, you are right too. I think in mid season Rogers was eighth or 10th, something like that. And, you know, in terms of, you know, when, when most sports books would, would put up their top 10 in this, he was, you know, he, he was like plus 2000, I think midway through the season Yeah. where now, yeah. you know, now he's, now he's at a minus, which is, which is insane how much ground he's made up, but you are right. You know, people forget quickly about, you know, what happened back in September and October and, and they focus and, and sometimes rightfully so when divisional crowns and things like that are on the line, but um, it, I, I do think people have have short memories in terms of what happened two or three months ago when Brady was tearing up the league. And, um, you know, I think he's going to be penalized. This is my opinion. I think he's going to be penalized too heavily for that Saints game because he would be my vote. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's well, it's kind of like uh, when they talk about college football, getting in the playoffs and back in the old days, putting yourself in position to make it to the uh, national title game. If you're going to lose, lose early. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Close. So yeah, uh, good point. You're going to be terrible as Aaron Rodgers was against New Orleans to start the season. Be terrible early. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, touch on a, a couple of other uh, awards. 
my uh, Zoom moderator says we only got a few minutes, if you can believe that. But uh, anyways, Coach of the Year, Rob, who do you like? I know who you like. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. If, if Belichick and the Patriots can come back and win that division, they're in the wild card spot right now. I might vote for him, but as of today, as we do this, Gary, I, I would vote for Lafleur, um, and and he has jumped to the favorites in in most of the sports books that, that are posting odds on this. I mean, he's he's the first coach now ever to win twelve games or more in his first three years, and and I know we haven't always worked on sixteen game schedules. I think that came in in nineteen seventy eight, um, you know, so we're only at forty five years, give or take, with with that, but. But to go 12-plus wins three straight years is is something else. And to win your division three years in a row um, with at least 12 wins is is pretty crazy. Um, I, he, would, he would be my vote, Gary. Okay, Chris? I'm, at this point, I'll still stick with Belichick if he wins his final two, even if uh, they don't win the division. I know they stumbled against the Colts and stumbled against the Bills, but uh, there's just this perception that, which has returned that he's a genius. I mean, nobody expected them to do anything this year. They got off to a tough start when they began to start Mac Jones, a quarterback, and all of a sudden released Cam, Cam Newton. It's kind of like what? And then the mere fact uh, that they've been as competitive as they have been, I'll uh, go with uh, Belichick and he's going to get some votes just because he's uh, Belichick. I mean, when in doubt, uh, you vote, vote for the genius. Yeah, yeah. My, my vote's with LaFleur. I mean, what, what he's done with that team, it's just unbelievable. I mean, that offense line was a train wreck all year. It was, it was makeshift every game. Uh, one guy, I think, played all every game, right? Runyon of the five, Rob? Is that correct? Yeah, out of the five offensive linemen. Yep, that, that's yeah. And in uh, Jones has been banged up. He loses his starting tight end. Uh, the defense had its share of issues. They had three Pro Bowl players that didn't play hardly at all this season. I, I think what he's done is remarkable. One of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen in in Packer history. And not only that, last two years the guy goes thirteen and three in the regular season, takes his team to the NFC Championship. And doesn't even come close to sniffing the award. So, uh, my my vote would be for uh, Matt Lafleur. Hey, uh, Chris, yeah, you brought up Belichick. Who's a bigger jerk, Belichick or Greg Popovich? <laughs> <laughs> you, you've you've dealt with both of them. <laughs> well, you know, Belichick keeps you at an arm's distance. I mean, it's all there's no one-on-one -on -one interviews with uh belichick it's all from afar while popovich might call you out in a press conference but then he's talking to you one-on-one -on -one the next day and he's your best buddy and you know he's been an olympic assistant and i've covered him had one-on-one -on -one interviews and he'll joke with you so you know i'd have to say B belichick but it's it's a totally different coverage situation because nobody covering the patriots is close to belichick they're not getting one-on-one -on -one interviews you know, there's, you're not bannering with him off to the side, which you might with Popovich. So it's a totally different situation. By the way, Popovich uh, won my admiration today. He, he came out and said the NBA is boring. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, a million, million other people who have the same feelings. Hey, uh, the last award, Executive of the Year. This is kind of dicey, too. Uh, 
lot of people are on the uh, Belichick bandwagon for what he did over the summer, bringing a bunch of veterans, drafting Mac Jones. Uh, Rob, let's start with you. Who do you like in that, that category? Well, I hate to be a homer, Gary, because you know me well. That That's the last thing in the world I am. But, boy, the job Gutekunst has done turning this thing around in, here in Green Bay. When he took over four years ago now, Gary, that, that was an aging roster, not a lot of talent. He had to completely overhaul the mess Ted Thompson left behind. Uh, struggled, obviously, that first year, 6-9-1 in the, in the 2018 season, but fired McCarthy, and it's been all up, uphill since then. Uh, back-to-back 13 and threes they're trending toward 14 and three potentially this year Gary which would be 40 and nine over a three-year window Uh, you know but but just looking at in the micro here of of what he had to do in 2021 uh, what he's lost Gary and and how deep that roster was I mean so Gary at at the end of the day I I just think Gutekunst has put together probably among the two or three deepest rosters in all of football. When you look at what they've lost on the offensive line, on the defensive side of the ball, um, and, and really haven't missed a beat, gone 12 and three, won the division again, hold the NFC's number one seed. And then you factor in too, everything he had to go through this off season with the Rogers nonsense, the drama that was going on, uh, you know, with, with, with Rogers, leading into the draft, saying he didn't want to come back to Green Bay, skipping all the off-season uh, workouts and programs, the OTAs, the mini camps. And, and, and Gary, he, he never folded his hand, Gutekunst, that is. I mean, he gave minor concessions. He brought in Randall Cobb for Rodgers, who, who amazingly has turned out to be about their second or third best receiver before he was hurt. And, and he lopped off that final year of his contract, the 2023 but, uh, you know, for the most, car- most part, Gutekunst won that stare down. And, and Rodgers came back, and he's played, like we talked about earlier, at an MVP level. So um, there's a couple other worthy candidates, too. But if Green Bay can kind of close the deal here and, and get themselves to 14-3 and three and be the number one seed in the NFC, I, I think it's Brian Gutekunst's to lose. Okay, Chris, uh, who are you going to plug in there for executive of the year? I'm going to go with Les Snead of the Los Angeles Rams. I just saw the Rams beat the Vikings on Sunday, and admittingly, Matthew Stafford didn't have his best game. But uh, overall, he's had a very solid season. Stafford, I know they had a little three-game losing streak in the middle of the campaign, but they're starting to come on. That was obviously, you know, a gutsy move and a good move by dumping Jared Goff, a guy who'd taken him to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and putting in Stafford, and he could end up being the difference maker. In addition to that, the Odell Beckham Jr. signing in the middle of the season is starting to pay dividends. He got off to a slow start, but he's now emerged as clearly their number two wide receiver, had a touchdown the other day. So that can certainly pay dividends in the playoffs. The Von Miller signing... We're still, he's still finding his way a little bit with his new team, but just having that presence out there on defense and foes kind of knowing that Von Miller, the leading active sacker in the NFL is on the field helps. So uh, I think those moves have been key. That's why I'm going with Les Snead and uh, the Rams are a team that's getting hot and nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Yeah, you know what, Chris? I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think Gutekunst has done an incredible job. I mean, 
during his whole tenure in Green Bay, I, I thought he has done just a, a, a superlative job. But uh, you know what my gut feeling is when, when you mentioned those heavy hitters like Stafford and, and Von Miller, I, I think that gets the attention of a lot of voters. And if they finish strong, you know, they win their final, what, two games. I think he might get the edge. I think it's going to be, though, good accounts and uh, him. And I'll, I'll be very curious to see how Belichick fits into the uh, final voting as well. So uh, one last thing before we wrap it up, I, I wanted to ask you guys about uh, Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay. And I know, Rob, you and I have talked about it quite a bit, but uh, – Rob, any, any thoughts of late on where that stands and what we might be looking forward to? Gary, I just, I don't think a whole lot has changed um, other than the power and control and the relationship has shifted to Rogers since Gutekunst took away that 2023 season. I mean, his contract ends after the 2022 campaign, the way it sits now, if the Packers wouldn't move him this particular off season, they run the risk of getting nothing for him. I don't think Gutekunst is, is willing to do that. You know, we're, we're talking a guy, if you put him on the trade market today, you're, you're probably going to get five picks inside the first two rounds for him. Um, I, 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 think, I think Green Bay cannot risk letting him walk out the door after the 2022 season and get absolutely nothing for him. Um, so I, 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 nothing has changed in my opinion, Gary. I still think it's, 98% chance you're watching the end of the Aaron Rodgers show in Green Bay here over the next two games in the regular season. And then however far the, the postseason seems to go. The other thing people seem to forget, and, and it's real easy for fans to get swept up in the fact that they're 12 and three and that everything should be hunky dory because they're winning football games. But, but Gary, they're 35 million over the cap next year. The way we sit here today, Rodgers is on the books for 46 he could obviously renegotiate that contract, but like we've talked about many times, he's never given these guys any kind of hometown deal or hometown hometown discount. And I don't think that's going to start now at 38 years old. So um, enjoy the ride. It probably is the last dance. And um, I would assume there's some, there's some people inside the NFC and inside the NFC North that are going to breathe easier when, when, when he moves on and is in all likelihood playing in the AFC next year. Chris, do you uh, think Mr. Uh, Rogers is going to keep his neighborhood in Green Bay, or do you think he's going to move on? Well, all excellent points by Rob, I must say. Obviously, I don't know what went on behind closed doors in meetings. Rogers is, of course, under contract for next season, but maybe they told his agent and told Rogers, you know, hey, wink, wink, you know, we're going to move you after the season just get through the 2021 season and if that's the case he no doubt will be moved because even if he's under contract it's not a good idea to renege and lie potentially to high-powered agents because then the word gets out and then they don't steer players to you and that sort of thing so for starters i obviously don't know what happened behind the scenes but uh if there's any willingness with rogers to come back i know the salary cap number is crazy at 46 million but that's starting to become the uh, going rate for uh top-notch quarterbacks and now we're just kind of waiting for the first 50 million dollar contract which uh, 
probably will come in the next year or two. That's going to go to Kirk Cousins, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll, yeah, 60 million Cousins. So, anyhow, uh, I mean, so much I would think, you know, I don't cover Rodgers on a daily basis. Uh, so, I don't know his temperament and if he's ever willing to change how he feels. I mean, it seems to me that so much is going to come down to the playoffs. I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, then does he just want to sail off or does he want to potentially, you know, do a, a John Elway and close with multiple Super Bowls or if they don't win the Super Bowl, but come very close and he knows he has a team that potentially could win it next year. Does he want to come back? But the bottom line is if they do trade him, I mean, they've got to get a quarterback in the deal Jordan Love is not the answer. It doesn't look like moving forward. The uh, draft class, this is not a good year draft-wise for quarterbacks, and plus they're going to be picking way at the end of the first round anyway. So I think you have to have a concrete plan in place and have a reputable quarterback coming in if you do move Rodgers. But, of course, if they've already given him the wink-wink and told his agent they're moving him, then I guess they're moving him anyway. Yeah, I'll ask each of you guys, uh, where do you think he would end up if he did leave Green Bay? And, and let me the, throw this out at you. What if the Packers could swing a deal for Zach Wilson and a boatload of picks from the Jets? Would you do it? I mean, aware Aaron Rodgers will want to play, but I'm sure he'll have some kind of say in it. And obviously, uh, Denver's been mentioned and i could see that certainly as yes. a possibility but but denver doesn't have a really a reputable quarterback that uh, they can send back and uh, you know your mention of zach wilson i mean that that's a good theory right there is if you deal fight an afc team that has a uh, young developing quarterback rob I, my money is still going to be on vegas and, and Carr comes back in the deal um I, I, you guys know bright lights, big city, Vegas wants stars and, and needs stars. I, I think Carr is a top 10 or 12 quarterback in the league. And I, I think green Bay would, would go to the playoffs. I think they'd probably win the division with Carr. I think that roster is, is still one of the three best in football um, top to bottom uh, aside from the quarterback position. If you take Rogers off the team and then Carr comes in and you let him compete with a guy with Jordan love, and the better man wins, and they should still be able to win 10, 11, 12 games, I think, with that roster and, and a guy like Carr or if Love shows you enough to win the job. I, I think, guys, what people are forgetting is the tw if Rodgers does come back somehow, the 2022 Packers are going to look a lot different than what the 2021 Packers were supposed to look like before injuries really, really hit. To get under that salary cap, they're going to have to move on from five, six starters right now. And, 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 and people through Brown County are going to be jumping off, you know, off, off the, the balcony when, when they cut an Adrian Amos, when they cut a Billy Turner, when, when they cut a Zadarius Smith, uh, whoever it winds up being. Um, but they're going to have to cut four five, six of those guys. Let's just say Rogers says he wants to come back for them to fit under the cap. They're going to have to move on. So it, 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 this team will look a lot different in 2022 if Rodgers is back. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a rebuild. It, it, it wouldn't be that. It'd be, it'd be a retool or a reload, I, I guess. But, but they won't be as formidable next year as they have been the last two seasons 
um, when, when they've only had the three loss seasons. So, but Gary, to your, to your question, um, my, there's four or five teams that make some sense. I, I if I was good Kunst, I would target Carr in a trade, try to get him back, get a number of picks from, from Las Vegas and, uh, and move on in that direction. All right. One last qu- question for you, Chris, do the Packers get to the Super Bowl? I think so. <clears throat> I think this is finally the year that they win the NFC championship game in Lambeau field. And, uh, Probably they're hoping for a nice minus five degree day <laughs> there. I know it's going to be just uh, a modest two degrees there on Sunday night, but I think uh, this could be the year. And I told you, Gary, at the start of the year that uh, I thought this Super Bowl would be a rematch of the first one, Packers-Chiefs. And uh, after the Chiefs uh, fuddled around for a while, and especially after the Packers had that embarrassing loss to New Orleans, that wasn't looking good, but uh that's looking like uh, a pretty good prediction now. It certainly is. I, I just uh, am astounded about how the Chiefs have just pushed the right buttons. I mean, they, they, they looked like they were dead in the water after three, four weeks. And uh, certainly they, they're probably the hottest team right now in the NFL. And it's going to be interesting. I, I would love to see that matchup. So, Hey, gentlemen, the game clock in our podcast is uh, about to expire, but I want to thank both of you profusely uh, for your football acumen perspectives. And Chris, it's always a pleasure getting together with you, and hopefully we can do this uh, down the road, maybe uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, and you can say, I told you so. (laughs) But uh, anyways, thanks again, you guys. And, of course, thanks to our listeners. Take care. And all the best. Thank you. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wuffle and Wuffle'sPressBox.com.